1: Welcome to Art Talk Live. This is Lynette Fast for Noise Art Gallery at the KZUM Studio. I'm excited to have with me today a Noise artist, Mary Jane Lamberson, who will be talking about her sculpture and her representative to abstract style. She works in metal, clay, jewelry, a lot of different kinds of mixed materials, and enjoys selling her work at Noise Gallery. I also want to mention that uh, you need to remember any time to view work from artists, you can come to the gallery Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m., and then don't forget, every first Friday, of course, we're open till 9, But we also do a second evening opening on Third Fridays. And so we really hope that you'll come out on some of our Third Fridays or all of them and see us and and check out what's going on. In October, we have some really fun events coming up. Of course, we'll have 10 new artists in our Focus Gallery. 70% of those are guests in our gallery. And so you'll see... uh, Seven people that extend the membership in our gallery for that month. And then on the third Friday in October, we are holding a opening that has a recycling, reuse, reduce theme. And so we hope you'll come in and just have some fun with us. Don't forget too that October brings our final summer studio open house. We have 12 artists up above noise art gallery that open their studios during the warm summer months for people to come in and see extended work how they work some of them are are you know working studios you can see the artist working or they are extended galleries and so it's really important if you want to see that our last for sure published opening will be october 4th at our first friday event until 9 p.m and sometimes if the weather's nice after that we stay open but don't count on that october should be our last opening for that summer studio open house Well, I'm very, very happy to have Mary Jane Lamberson with me today. Mary Jane, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me. And uh, I am very excited to talk with you and visit some more about your sculpture. I want to learn more about it and who you are and where you're from. And the first question that I like to ask my guests is to share the time when you first remember thinking of yourself as an artist? Uh, I'm not sure I was comfortable
0: with calling myself an artist until I was uh, almost through grad school. But the first time I made something that I was really excited about, it was preschool. And uh, in those days, they didn't have uh, that many lessons for for children in art. But we had a great yard that was, um, had clay, that yellow clay that's very uh, sticky and holds together, and I made half a horse. I didn't know anything about armatures, and I was trying to figure out how to make him stand up. So I made him on a board, and then I could stand the board up. But, uh, and then I tried some, some baskets or some bowls, and I also didn't have a kiln, so they lasted about the first rainstorm, and then they just kind of melted away. Mm-hmm. But I finally learned that you have to put those in a kiln, And but it was a lot of years after that that I, I got an opportunity to, to try that. I'd been married and had a couple of kids by that time. So.
1: As a very young, we pick up and manipulate materials, and... Yeah. I always say that it seems like people actually have to try to unlearn art rather than learn more about it sometimes.
0: Right, because about, it, about the time you get to be eight, then you worry that what you're making doesn't look like, like what you are looking at, and so then you decide that you, you must not be an artist after all. Yeah,
1: and yeah.
0: You criticize yourself to the point that you, uh, you kind of let things go. Right. But I was lucky to have some teachers that um, uh, brought in rewards for things that you did in class, like postcards of, of paintings, and, and I remember the blue horse being one of them when I was in the fourth grade. And so some of the, uh, of the schooling picked up a little bit of art, but it wasn't separate. It was just part of, of uh, the curriculum, usually on Friday afternoon. Yes. <laughs> they yes. Ran, out, ran out of anything else, but anyway.
1: Well, give um, us a little history about where you grew up and where you live now.
0: Okay. Uh, the yellow clay I was talking about are the bluffs over on the Iowa side of the Missouri and uh, then when I was uh, in fourth grade, we moved over here to Danabrog, well, St. Paul, Nebraska. And, and I currently live in Danabrog, which is just about eight miles from there. And uh, I work along the river here, and it's, it's a great place to work, uh, a lot of wildlife. And uh, I don't bother anybody with my noise, then, when I'm hammering metal.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: And uh I went back to school and got my degrees because I had a friend who said, I'm driving to Kearney on Tuesday and Thursday can you do you wanna get you know, start taking a class or two? So that's how I got went back into to college. She didn't wanna to have to drive alone all the time. So uh and then I wound up with so many classes we decided I might as well put a degree together. <laughs> And so mm-hmm. I I got a, a degree in studio art and then my master's. So,
1: fabulous! And that was all at UNK, right?
0: It, yeah, it was Kearney State to start with, and then it went and became UNK. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a great place to to take classes.
1: Yes, very much. So. so you mentioned your studio and making a lot of noise, but being out where it didn't matter. You must have your studio right at your home.
0: Right i I have a um, part of the barn section off <laughs> for, yes for, for uh the heavy work and um I've kind of acquired a few tools through the year i I ration my husband's used to them but
1: <laughs> 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 since they're
0: mine <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> he gets so, to use them once in a while, huh <laughs> yeah because
0: he's he's he does some sculpture, too, now.
1: Okay. And
0: he's very good at it. So.
1: so what type of art do you do?
0: It's, uh, it, when I say sculpture, it's, it's an ab, a lot of it is abstract. Usually you have to start out with, with, with an idea, and so you start out with a sketch. In my case, sometimes I have to make a maquette and then go back and do the sketch so that I can do the bigger piece. Because I'm not, a, I'm just not a two-dimensional person. But it's kind of like your subconscious helps you put, uh, you know, like a a hump or a dip or something like that uh, that you don't realize is there until you, you know, or and that you saw it until you you put it into that maquette. Mm-hmm. And um, but some of my outdoor pieces that run oh, six to eight feet tall are. Steel rod, and uh, I cold bend those as much as possible. And then, if I, I have to uh, do a sharp angle or something like that, then I'll heat it. But it it seems to flow so much better, like a dancer, uh, if if those you know lines are just just curved and don't have any sharp angles. hmm So, um, and. Then I, I've made some, some butterflies, which are a little bit more representational. Um, uh, those are usually about six to eight feet tall.
1: You mentioned butterflies, dancers. I uh, would suppose where you live or how you grew up might be inspiring you with your work? Uh,
0: it, very much so. I've, you know, ballet dancers, anything that, you know, I get kind of hooked on the dancing, uh this, the skating at the Olympics, um, that flowing line that uh, they always, you know, try to produce.
1: Yes, beautiful. When they're out on the ice. Yeah. That's uh, a great way to describe how an artist might look at the figure for a a way to represent it. And those arm movements and the line that runs through, say, the skeletal shape. Yeah, it really Trying translates. to put them into,
0: mo- mo- you know, into motion mm-hmm. uh, because you really can't make that move uh, unless you put a motor on it. But, I mean, a, a standard 3D figure doesn't move unless you can, can have some way of, of uh, implying that they're moving. And that's, that's the closest I can come is to give the impression.
1: Right. What's some of the other subject matter you might use? Hmm.
0: Um. I just I've been hooked for a long time on the on dancers on
1: the dancers. Okay.
0: What materials are those? uh, Oh, the outdoor pieces so far have been um, been steel. Some of it is uh, that I picked up at you know uh, scrap at the junkyard, and some of it is new. It doesn't matter once you get it. Under the torch, it's you just if it fits the, you know, the need, then mm-hmm. it can come from either place. And sometimes it's kind of fun to say it's recycled. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've got a pile of uh, green bottles right now that I'm getting ready to do some some um, melted glass. I want to do some melted glass with that so that uh but you can make the same kind of mold for that that you would for if you were pouring bronze or aluminum. Um, okay. you know and and pour melted glass into it.
1: Mhm. So you have a forge in your studio?
0: Yes, but uh mostly I have a, a there's a lot you can do with a a Scott kiln.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Um uh, Sometimes you don't have the, the things you you need to, you know, may, maybe do it perfectly, but you kind of adjust. Mm-hmm. So, but I found out that if you're careful, you can do it in your kiln. If you're not careful, then you wind up replacing all of the heating elements at the bottom because all of the glass ran off the shelf.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Yes. I've had things explode, too, oh. cooling because of yeah. that thermal action going on. <laughs> yeah, right. And break those <laughs> elements, too, really quickly.
0: Well, there's a lot more on the Internet now that you can pick up, uh, you know, information on so you're not flying completely blind like I was on my first glass
2: pieces. But
0: <laughs> it was all the broken panes from my, from when I was uh, framing a bunch of uh, watercolors, and I didn't want to throw them over the riverbank.
2: Oh, so yeah.
0: So I, I kept... Kept saving them, and then, then one day I just thought, oh, and I melted them in the, into a, into the mold, and and uh, so I could make some pieces like that. It was, you know, mm-hmm. probably a little dangerous for other people, but they were just my own experiments, so I didn't have to worry too
1: much about mm-hmm. that. But, mm-hmm. but and they worked out,
0: but, yeah, they did. It, <laughs> they were hard to photograph because it would it was like. Uh, They were in layers, so the light would hit a layer and I I would have things like the chin would move three inches to the right in the photograph, (gasps) but
1: that's not the way they looked when you looked
0: at them, you know, it was... just really weird. That weird
1: refraction going on. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So you started to mention a little bit about your creative process and how you would start, say, with a sketch or mostly a maquette and then move on from that. If you were to begin a sculpture, tell us more about those steps. How do you make a steel sculpture?
0: Well, uh, my first tool I had was an I-beam with a hole uh, melted in it and that's what I made a lot of my first dancers with was by putting the rod in the hole and bending it the direction I wanted it to go. And since there's no sharp bends or I wasn't basically dealing with a lot of detail, uh, that worked out pretty well and I didn't work with, with really heavy pieces of, of steel rod. That was some of the smaller pieces, under a half inch. Mm-hmm. And then the pieces got bigger as I got more ambitious.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, my tallest sculpture, I got really excited when um, someone gave me a, a bender for my Christmas present. Ah, yes! <laughs> and I i was working on it on the floor of the garage. When I was bending it, and then we went to stand it up and realized I'd kind of gotten carried away. It was ten foot tall instead of <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pick up back size, but uh, it you know it was it was fun. Mm-hmm. I get I get lost in what I do, just like everybody else does when they're they're working. I've got the got the music playing, and I'm just in a different place.
1: Mm-hmm. So the here and now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you're bending that metal, you you start out by getting some pieces and parts bent and, and you know, moving around to how you want them. Uh, do you work with some welding then?
0: I use them. I've got a, a wire feed welder now. I used to have one that you would strike an arc, and I was really bad at that. Uh, and then one summer, I um, I had a patch on one eye, and I had no depth perception whatsoever. And I I spent more time picking up pieces of sculpture all over the garage than I did, you know, getting getting it finished. So we got Mm. a wire feed so I could just hold my hand out and shoot and and, Mm. uh, tack it in place
2: Mm -hmm. because they
0: really have, the pieces sort of have to be tacked as you make them because otherwise you forget what direction it was going. Yes. you wind up rebending everything because when you stood it right side up, it <laughs> it didn't fit.
1: <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how so. about uh, proportion then, and just the stability, you know, and balance of a piece that takes a lot of engineering to plan for. It. Uh, do you have some perspective of that when you begin?
0: Um, a, a lot of that I adjust for when I put it on the base. Unless I've got one really good-sized piece that is top-heavy, but for the most part they, they come out a little bit balanced,
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: it doesn't take much work to to, uh, to weight them one way or the other um, when you when you're putting them on the base because I always put them on a you know on a steel base.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you attach that still. last?
0: Uh, yeah, usually. Usually. Uh, okay. Well, it depends on it depends on on whether I'm you know it, if it looks like it's just going to sit straight on there and I don't have one leg longer than the other, then I attach mm-hmm. it in the beginning. Uh-huh. But if uh, we have to wait till later on to even things out, then then uh, then it goes then we design the base to go with the sculpture.
2: Yes. Okay. And it
0: always depends on where you're going, where you're trying to put it to, uh, what type of a base you want on, on it.
1: So oh, sure. Installation location would be big.
0: Right. I had one show up in uh, South Dakota. They actually welded the, the sculptures onto the bases that they had, you know, in, in the downtown area. And then when the show was over, they came along and cut them all loose.
2: Oh, so wow. You,
0: so you could take them home. But I tell you, none of those sculptures. Took a walk while they were
2: yeah. <laughs> scheduled
0: to be there.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was.
0: Yeah, I was. I was really surprised. I never had that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it wasn't on the entry form. But mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, the outdoor sculpture competitions are in a downtown area or a you, you know where they they have focused on them for several years.
1: Right. Well, then I suppose once you get that piece onto the base, you have a finishing process.
0: Uh, I like, if it's a a big outdoor piece, I like to have it uh, powder-coated to hold up against the weather. Uh, If you just paint them, they will last a season and and you can retouch them, but but the powder-coating helps a lot. It's the coating that they put on outside benches and things like that. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, it holds up pretty well, depending on you know who's doing
1: it. But do you always paint your sculptures? Yeah,
0: I'm not working with corten steel, and uh, that's the only kind I know of. That uh, I mean, some people like like uh, rust, and and they seal it with a clear coat. But if you've got Quartin steel, the more scratches that are on it, it, the more it heals itself, and it doesn't rust because of that process. It's a, a special formula steel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Grand Island has an uh, interstate sculpture uh, by John Ramundi that is made with Quartin steel down on, on the interstate.
2: Mm-hmm. And, uh,
0: so it has that beautiful rusty color. Right. And you don't ever have to worry about repainting it.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. You just let the elements seal it. Yeah.
0: You bet. Uh, it's, it's all done. So. Mm-hmm. Any more questions?
1: Oh, well, yes, of course. <laughs> you have really given us some great information about what it is you like to create and how you create it. I I think we should help our listeners know where we can see your art. And you talked about entering your work into several, you know, outdoor shows, things like that. Give us some ideas about where to see your work.
0: Uh, at Noise in Nebraska, it's, it's one of the few places in, in the state. Uh, the The shows I were t- was talking about are year-long, uh, they're a competition, and they select some pieces uh, for each year. And... Uh, then the next year they get new pieces in there. They usually, uh, the artists usually earn an honorarium for doing that. But we don't really have any of those types of shows in Nebraska. um, I don't know why. I think they've tried. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I think uh, uh, the Impact Group and uh, there are some other uh, groups that, that exhibited, you know, well, and, of course, Lincoln did the bikes and mm-hmm. and uh, light bulbs and so forth.
2: So, right. Uh,
0: they do their own outdoor sculptures. Lincoln has had its own outdoor sculpture um, projects, and they've been very successful. So.
1: Yes, yes. Well, I do know there's a, a big outdoor sculpture show going on up in Norfolk right now, and it yeah. was installed early in the spring and— probably lasts for a year Um, but there is a directory for that and you can look that up online Uh, the Norfolk Arts Council I believe is in charge of that and has organized it through the uh, art center there yeah they've got a really active art center yes they do well so uh, what's happening next for you at the gallery are you involved in some shows coming up later this year yet or next year
0: no, not I'm I'm not doing any this year. Uh, possibly next year, but I'm I'm trying to get uh, just get a body of work together again,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: um, get back into my jewelry studio. This has been, um, like everybody else, uh, a really hectic spring and summer. Yes. And so, we've accomplished a lot less than what I'd hoped.
1: <laughs> right out I, there. So, I suppose some of the flooding has affected you too.
0: Yeah, we just got the last vehicle uh, unstuck from the mud this weekend. Oh.
1: So, <laughs>
2: goodness
0: sakes. I mean, it was. There was one day. I think three weeks ago, when we had every vehicle on the place stuck, and then we went mm. to get the tractor finally to pull them out, and the, it wouldn't start.
1: <laughs> oh goodness, <laughs> the things we have uh, dealt with this year—they will be it, long memories. Yeah, it was really bizarre, and
0: you couldn't see the problem, um, you know, because it was groundwater. It mm. wasn't creek or river or anything. It was—it <sighs> was just, and you know, you'd get out on it, and it would just sink like quicksand.
1: Mm. So. Wow, but hard to anyway, know even where to walk or where to drive.
0: Well, yeah, we didn't do too well with the driving. <laughs> we had four, five vehicles stuck. I
1: guess mm, goodness so, sakes, goodness, way too many. But well, uh, so, Mary Jane Lamberson has been in with me today, visiting about her uh, sculpture, anywhere from a representational style to abstraction, especially working in metals, uh, steel, and. Uh, Sometimes clay. And as she mentioned here at the end, uh, a little bit of jewelry going on, too. Don't forget that we can see Mary Jane's work at Noyes Art Gallery. That's 119 South 9th Street here in Lincoln. And the gallery is open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 5. Uh, Mary-Jean, I really appreciate you joining me today, and I have so enjoyed learning more about your work and how you operate in your studio. I I think that's quite admirable to bend steel. (laughs) (laughs) It's easier than it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I just think it's very physical and would be really fun work, too. Thank
0: you so much.
1: All right. Well, folks. Enjoyed
0: talking to you. uh,
1: Thanks. Uh, Don't forget that at Noise Art Gallery, we have openings every first and third Fridays, and we do have a lot of big ones coming up this year yet. I already mentioned our October openings, and in November, I will actually be hosting the Focus Gallery. I'm so excited for that show. I'm inviting in eight of my students to join me. Over my 30 years of public school teaching and now also in the private sector of teaching, I have um, made many connections with kiddos that have gone on into art and are professionally working on their art and their ideas. And so I'm just really pumped up to bring eight of them into the studio with me. Uh, That's for the month of November in the Focus Gallery. We'll also have some of Julia Noy's students in the gallery that month. Uh, For our third Friday opening, the Union College oil painting class will have an exhibit, and those students will help us host that opening from 6 to 9 p.m. on November 15th. So uh, please stop on into Noise Art Gallery and thanks so much for joining us here on KZUM Art Talk Live and don't forget to come back often and pick up our show. We'll see you again.
0: This is Julia Noise from the Noise Art Gallery and this has been Art Talk Live. I want to especially thank Lila Cho for her original violin composition that she did special for us. Tune in again. We'll be looking for you.